This is a HeadGum Podcast. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Inside Voices. I'm Kevin T. Porter. My guest today is Dimia Dijuwebe. Okay, a little background. Dimia Dijuwebe is a writer. He's written for shows like The Good Place and The Late Late Show with James Corden. But he's also a wildly talented musician making hilarious song parodies no one asked for and pointing them out on Twitter. You might have also seen his September 21st videos. Those are terrific. And once upon a time, he also hosted podcasts, including Punch Up the Jam with his co-host Miel Bredo and Gilmore Guys with me. Demi doesn't host podcasts anymore, but he guests on them like this one. And this is our last episode of Inside Voices, at least for now. And so I wanted to do something a little different and have a conversation that felt less formal and more personal. So with that in mind, here's my friend Demi describing his own voice. I was thinking about this all night because I, I've seen that and I'm just like, oh, how do I describe my voice? Because I think it, it, it has like a range to it. So I'm just sort of like, uh, I have a... You need some assists? Yes. How would you describe my voice? <laughs> I was going to, I was going to, uh, because this is never, I don't know if it's as true of anyone I've talked to as much as you. I think you have a very cool voice. Oh, okay. <laughs> and not, it sounds so broad and reductive. I know, it sounds no. like, it sounds like something I've made up on the, I don't know, cool. But I think, I think you run cool with it though, right? Yeah. I think that like. I, I would I would talk about this in the podcast, but I think that like there's a thing when I'm very no. Com- this is it. We're recording. Oh, are we? Yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> okay. So uh, <laughs> I think that my voice has a range where it's like when I'm very comfortable, I I get sort of like this, and it feels like a higher pitch voice or like a like a I don't know, just like more animated, more kinetic, very like vibrant. Uh, I don't know what the word I'm trying to like hyperactive voice, but then there are times where I'm just sort of like very actively trying to like talk and like present my voice at a lower level and it just feels like it's like on the edge of a glottal fry and so I'm just doing this a lot and that's when I'm like oh that's a that's a voice that's the voice that yeah, like that's I'll what talk you like to, that's what I like that's what I like will talk to people and they'll be like oh you have a very nice voice I went to see an apartment once and uh the woman was just like yeah you can just look around and tell me what you think afterwards and the only time she like talking she's like I'm so sorry I just you have a lovely voice. And I was like, oh, thank you. And I just, it like carried me for the rest of the day. But I, 
I don't, I don't know. That's such a nice compliment to receive in not an industry context at all. Where yeah. There's no incentive for this woman to compliment that other than she felt compelled to. Yeah. Aside for uh, me being like, she liked my voice. I got to buy this place. <laughs> yeah. And you did. And, and you bought it twice. And over, right? I did. I need to find a reason to go to that place. Again, not to be reductive about it, but if there's a an animated version of you that takes place in a fictional world in which you are like an animal yeah. or something, you're you're probably a dog wearing sunglasses, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, it feels like it. Like, I'll take you, it. And you might be on a skateboard. You may not be. You might be on a scooter. You're describing Poochie. You're I telling me I'm Poochie. Okay. A little bit. But what was Poochie on that show? He was salt. He made things better. He also yeah. sounded like Homer Simpson. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm Homer Simpson. I'm sure people have said that your voice puts them at ease to a degree, not just the apartment lady. I don't know. <laughs> uh I I I occasionally get a compliment on my voice, but it's it's always the kind of thing where no one ever talks about your voice to you. Like it's all, even in that moment, I was like taken aback by it, just being like, "Oh, what a weird thing to uh, mention." But thank you. Uh, but I feel fine about my voice. I think that I used to think that I had a very uh, feminine voice, but I was also like, "It's a feminine voice, but it's not like femme as much as it is like a uh, like a, a deep like a butch lesbian voice." Which I'm like, cool. I love that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think all that's fair. Like, it feels um, nimble in a way. Yes. That would be another word, maybe. I, I, would, I would say I would nimble is how I would describe it. Yeah, it, I think I do have a nimble voice. It's very, like, uh, deliberate, it sounds like. And I feel like there's a point at which when I talk, it goes... It's like I talk right here, and then it goes down into this, like, sort of, like, register where it's like, and now I know what I'm talking about. Just, like, a very... <laughs> it's a It's a radio voice, but I don't say anything that I feel like would be worth putting on the radio right and i think nimble connects to this i this idea i have of you about someone who doesn't want to be one particular thing if that makes sense yeah like you want to you want to be able to traverse in a spectrum of things where it's like he's the blank guy oh not really he's okay he's the blank guy no yeah i'm i'm more than that so if a nimble voice might also be a reflection of like i'm not just a person with this kind of voice i can also have this kind of voice. Then I can have this kind of totally. voice. Totally. I'm the I'm that cartoon guy, the man of a thousand voices or whatever. I'm always curious for you too, because you would identify first as a writer, right? Yes. Professionally, I, not like as a human being. Right. <laughs> uh I am the third gender writer. Good grief. But so for that, you've probably used your voice more than you thought you would slash more than you would think would be comfortable for you in your adult life. Absolutely. Because I think like as much as I professionally identify as a writer, I think that publicly a lot of people see me as a performer or like a podcaster. And it's always weird because I like even now it's just like when I communicate with people, I'm like, oh, I would much rather do this over text or something because it's so much easier for me to like aptly get my thoughts out through text versus a medium where it's like you just kind of got to keep saying things and eventually you'll stumble on the right words and then it's like okay well now i have recorded words that like minutes later i'll go like ah, i actually should have said this thing so it's very weird for me to have my voice so uh on the forefront of just like having it be the representation of my identity and my thoughts a lot of the time right it sounds like a necessary evil yeah. for the other stuff to happen yeah it def- it's like i wouldn't get to be a writer if i didn't 
get if I didn't talk. Is that weird? Like it's even going weird. back to Vine stuff and whatnot, that it's like, yeah, you, that had to happen for the next thing to happen, and mm-hmm. the September videos had to happen for this meeting to happen. Like, which is also weird because then it's like I get in a writer's room and I'm like, I don't think that these people take me seriously because. I am this thing and everyone else is like a writer and I'm like, okay, well that sucks. <laughs> but do you feel like a dilution of purity in that sense? Cause it's not just like, it's only the scripts, you know, or the pieces I wrote for these publications and only the written work. So it almost feels like it's uh, like, I think about like the, in the standup community, sometimes like the purest, perspective on like guys who bring guitars or use music in their accent they're like oh okay and, and there's like yeah. an active disdain for that sort of thing so i wonder if you almost feel that but from like a writer's perspective of like oh they hired the twitter guy or something oh like absolutely that, you know i think it's i mean i don't blame them because i feel like i do the same thing if i got into a room that was like a bunch of people who were like like YouTube stars or like Vine people, I'd be like, okay, I don't think I have much faith in this product. But then it also does feel like, I think that writing and comedy and, well, especially like comedy writing as a like industry and field is so cynical and so full of people who just sort of are like, it's like we all hate ourselves, but we also hate everyone else. So it's just sort of like, <laughs> it's very easy to get, uh, find a reason to just discredit someone else doing something or just feeling like they're green and because of that they're like not it's like i i have a like the me spreading myself in different fields is a very easy uh reason or like a very easy thing to be like oh yeah yeah, it's a very easy scapegoat as opposed to just like yeah i've been in like three writers rooms or like even when i was in like one or two writers rooms it feels like oh well it's just i don't have the rhythm of this down yet or it's it's very easy to just go like because he's not supposed to be here he's this kind of a person he's not this kind of a person and i know we've talked privately about like your desire to not perform nearly as much especially like at the end of whatever it is we're going through right now with the pandemic stuff. Do you think it still comes from that place of like, don't worry, I'm the real deal. I don't have to distract you with like spectacle. Partially. Yeah. But I also think that it's, uh, it's this sort of dilution of, I can only do so much in the thing, in the fields I want to work in. If I'm also trying to be a million different things. And also it's like, I get very tired of things very quickly and I will do something and go, that was fun, but it's not a challenge to me anymore. Or it felt like a lazy way to do this type of idea, but people were impressed by it. And then it becomes a thing where it's like, I don't want to do this anymore, but that's what everyone knows and likes of me. So they're just like, this is what you are. They're like, Hey, are you going to do this thing? Are you going to do this thing? And I'm like, I don't want to do that thing anymore, but it becomes this thing where it's like, well, that's what you do. And then I'm just like, I don't want to, so I'm going to stop. And it's like, I find it even with things I do privately, like in quarantine. And I just am kind of like, all right, well, I've been doing this thing for a while and it's fun, but I'm over it. And I'll just sort of like tuck it in the back pocket of a thing I can do and try to do something else. But then it's like, what's an example of that for quarantine stuff? Is it like the painting stuff? Yeah. Painting, playing violin, uh, sewing masks, all things that I've been like, oh, I really like doing this. And I do it for a while. And then I'm just sort of like, well, 
no real point in doing this anymore or like Creepy. not no i mean i know i know what you're saying but it almost sounds like a disorder because because you do get so good at those things and i know the violin stuff is whatever but like the painting is so good i still wear the mask that you made for me well, nearly every day it's not you know, like it's it's interesting it's not even that i'm like oh i don't want to do this anymore or like ah what's the point as much as it is that i'm it's like i don't know how to say this without feeling like I need some humility, but it's just sort of like, I get to a point where I'm like, I'm pretty good at this. All right, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) But it's fine. But it also feels like I, I pick up these things as like a distraction from like writing and directing and doing all these things where it's like, Oh, I want to do that, but I can't do that. And now I have an audience, which means that when I do eventually do that, it can't just be like, Oh yeah, well this, of course, it isn't great. It was my first one, so it feels like, all right, well, this bar is constantly rising of how good it, I have to be at this thing that I've always wanted to do when I finally do it. Because it's like, it's it feels like if uh, someone that you had been like following for a while and you're like, I love this guy, was like, I'm going to take a step back to... I say this like it's an analogy as opposed to the exact thing that it is. Uh, <laughs> but it was like, I'm going to take a step back from doing all this stuff because I want to do this one... I've always wanted to do this one thing and I'm going to finally do it. And then they do it and you're like, eh, that's all right. It's like, oh, there's too many eyes on this thing for it to be like, well, we're going to watch him grow because it's like, I was the second thing going to be good at all? or It's like if uh, Jordan Peele made get out and we were all like it was fine like it'd just be like oh (laughs) fuck what is what does he do from there and it's now i'm like okay i guess i gotta make get out (laughs) yeah i know that pressure sucks because it probably feels like you don't have if you're if it's not one of seven things and you put all your like time and energy and effort and resources towards the one thing yeah it sounds to me the way you're describing it that you don't feel the latitude to fail at it in oh, any way. I definitely don't. Uh, and it doesn't help that uh, I think sometimes people talk about me in this, like, he can do anything kind of way, which is, like, very uh, nice, and I do sometimes feel like, maybe I can, but then it's also just like, but can I do this one specific thing? I think it would be fine to fail, but it also feels like sometimes it's not even just about failing as much as it's about just putting out something that I'm like, I don't want this to be magnificent i just want it to be like here's a thing i was working on and i'm happy with and it's like this is a very good it's like if jordan peele didn't put out get out first but he was just like i just have like a fun idea i want to do it doesn't mean anything but it is something i'm still putting the work of get out into and it's like cool that was great doesn't need to win an oscar or be nominated for it's just like we all enjoy this thing that he made i want to do that but it feels like i have put myself in a position where i I can't, and it's like, eh, fine, but the the way that I cope with that is just going, well, what else can I do and put all of myself into and put out things that I'm like, this is fine, and it's like, oh, other crafts are like things that I get to do with my hands and feel like I'm done with this thing at the end of it, but then I'm just sort of like, well, how long am I going to do this for before I uh, move on to doing something? Like, it's just like, it, I know what I want or what I need to do to feel fulfilled, but I can't do it as easily, so I just won't. That sounds really complicated, though. Oh, because yeah. Because <laughs> your mind's a prison, is what you're saying. My mind is a prison. Uh, the key is locked away somewhere. You'll never find it. Oh, there's no key. I've been, I just keep pushing away at the bars and be like, how did I get in here? <laughs> how did I get in I here? And <laughs> This is not my beautiful prison. <laughs> 
It's it and to be clear, the one thing you're talking about for you, can I do this one thing well, is writing and directing film. Right? Yeah. And everything else, probably in the sense of accomplishment, feels like not quite the thing. Does it feel cumulative though, or progressive in the sense of like, oh, I feel like I've accomplished this. That that means this, or I can I can prove myself to this degree. I can prove myself to this degree that you can like earn over time, whether it's literally, okay, this production company will give me X amount of money to produce something or, or even just like from a talent perspective of like, I'm not kidding more. I've, I've written these things and I've accomplished these things and I have this much respect and credibility amongst my peers. Totally. But I, I, I also think that it's like, I think that mentally it's just hard for me to uh, ever get to a place where I can look at myself the way that other people see me because it's like as much as I can step back and go like, well, I did these things and people were like, how the fuck? Like, that's impressive. And I did them at an age where people were like, that's impressive. And I should be able to go like, you, you are doing well. It's like, okay, but to me, those things are like, I did this thing and it turned out bad for this reason, but I still have this credit to my name. And then I did this thing and that didn't go. So I can't really count that. That's kind of a wash despite me doing this work. And then I did this thing and it turned out fine, but I wasn't really super proud of it. And then it ended badly. And now I'm just sort of in this limbo and it just feels like I don't have the perspective that everyone else has on these things. So it just feels like, oh, I've had a few chances and they haven't really turned out well. Well, if I get another chance, is it going to be on the level of these previous chances or is it going to be on this weird downward incline where it's like, I'm not really going to get to do this thing that I think I would like to do, but I can maybe do one of these sort of things that'll just be plucked out of a bin for me. And it's like, okay, I guess, yeah, I guess I'll do this thing. And it just feels like I spend every day just like feeling like, okay, well then I just have to do it for myself. And I just have to figure out what easy thing I can do. That's just my own thing. And I don't need to like wait for someone else to approach me about and then it becomes like okay well i have this idea but no i can't do that because of this and it's like well i have this idea and i can't do that because of this all right i guess i'll just not worry about that at all and just put my mind on something else that i can do and it's like well i will paint today but yeah yeah it's almost like all those little projects come up as procrastinations for in avoiding the almost maybe the pain of like confronting that larger thing absolutely if the if it's not what you want it to be exactly it's like i don't think that like this is like oh woe is me no one will give me a shot it's like i'm getting shots it just feels like they're not in the direction that i want and it it's Mm -hmm. not it's all of these things where it's like people like me and want me to do this thing and i'm like i'd like to do that thing and then it's just sort of like all right well where do i go from here and it's just like I, i think it's also I don't know. It's the fear of failure and the sort of thing that it's like, if I, if I'm not crazy passionate about something, then it's going to be hard for me to juggle with all of the other 12 things I've decided that I have to do right now or the other, like, it's like, okay, 10 different people are like, we want to spend time with you. We think you're great. What do you want to do? And then I'm like, oh, so I just pick one of you and hope that that works out. It's like, well, no, you got to choose all of us and you got to put all of the passion into all of it or else it's just, uh, it's not going to work. And I'm like, okay. So I won't email or respond to anyone for like the next three yeah, months. Yeah, you can get paralyzed and, and exactly. make no decision yeah. or make, yeah, not even bad decisions, but truly no decision. No decision, which is when I get into the point where it's like, okay, I'm scared of my email now and I just won't do anything. <laughs> 
I guess uh, it reminds me of a conversation we had last year with a mutual friend of ours about, I forget exactly what the breakdown was, but it was like, you can love what you're doing and be bad at it, hate what you're doing and be good at it, love what you're doing and be good at it. And it sounds like for you, and the most painful of it is probably hate what you're doing, but be really good at it. Yeah. And not that you hate what you're doing or like, yo, fuck that or whatever, but it just like, if it is a bittersweet thing of like, this is a concession or this feels like a compromise or this isn't exactly what I wanted, then it does feel maybe just like a little bit sad in the sense of like, and tragic, especially if you get like praise and and um accolades for these things where it's like no but you don't understand this isn't it this isn't the thing yeah and it's like i think i think i use this metaphor with you too about like making a meal for someone and you bring out the appetizer and it's like something you spent like 10 minutes on and then you like like put all of your blood sweat and tears into a big chicken roast or whatever it is and i want to just keep eating the appetizer you're like my roast though right my roast is good except for me it's like i haven't even made the roast it's but i keep talking about the roast and it's like i will get to the roast but i just i have these apps first and i was like dude the apps fucking rule i'm like yeah but the roast it's like no the apps are crazy yeah and then you're like okay i guess i can make another app real quick here's another app here's a little you know french fry thing yeah you just keep bringing those out but it also feels like crazy to complain about because and it's like i've had these moments with a friend where it's just like i don't want to talk about it because then it feels like i'm ungrateful and so many people have not even had like the minor successes that i have had and it feels like a dumb thing to complain about and i i talk about it where it's like it feels like i am uh a like pretty good doctor and i'm like but i'm supposed to be a lawyer <laughs> it's like okay <laughs> <laughs> that's an i know that's an apt comparison because i think a, a lot of people would see you and I've been buttering your bread and we're friends, but I feel like a lot, of, a lot of people would see you as like a model of a certain kind of thing that they would want to be as well. And right. they read, you know, they read profile pieces on the ringer and they see certain things that you've done or enjoy certain things that you've done or listen to them. They're like, hell yeah. And it's, and it's hard to hold the space of that tension in your head of like, you're not dumb for enjoying it, but also... I, I that there is like an unease if that enjoyment is the completion of their experience of you, right? If that makes sense, totally. So, so if it's like, oh, I just discovered Punch Up the Jam, it's my favorite podcast, and you're like, great, but you know, like, yeah. there's like a lot more to this. Yeah, it's never, it's never like I'm mad that they enjoyed this thing as much as it is that I'm like, I'm too restless to, uh, like I, I I choose all of these different things to do, and then I'm like, well, I'm done with that, and then it's sort of like, oh, it's this guy, and I'm like, no, 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 I I'm done, I did that, and then it's just like, it's like it's it's unfair for me to feel this way about it because it's not like I give people one thing to be like it's the X guy, but then it's also just sort of like, why can't you read my mind of what I'm currently into or what I'm I want to be into five years from now, and it's just like it's my own fault, but I it's just like my brain is bad. I, <laughs> your I think, brain is good, and your brain betrays you sometimes. Exactly, my brain uh, is a painter who's just sort of like uh, pissed that we're painting at all. Uh, I also think that it's it it feels very much like I'm to me it's like I'm failing upwards where it's like I don't I shouldn't have a profile in the ringer and I shouldn't be doing all these things I, it just feels like I I do all these things and I'm like that didn't turn out well fuck but like the only thing that people see of it is like 
it it went great. It's a good thing because it's like, well, of course, no one's gonna come out and be like, yeah, well, he sucks. So it it just feels like in my head, it's like I'm very lucky that I have conned people for so long into being like, he's great. But do you have an alternate timeline or vision in your head of how it should have worked out if this, if the way it's working out now is like, mm, this isn't quite what I wanted, or 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 it feels unfair in whatever degree that we're talking about where it's like ideally i would feel satisfied and earned and not feel maybe as much of a a fraud complex uh if if or an imposter syndrome if it worked out in xyz sort of ways do you have anything like that in your head i feel like i don't but i i think that's partially because it's hard to not accept the fact that i wouldn't even be close to being where I want to be if it weren't for all of the things that I've done as a distraction from it. And it feels like like there's no route in which I'm just like, well, I'm going to go to school for it and then I'm going to do it and then I'm just good at it. Or it's like, and then I just got the chance. It feels like I, I've always been like a person who like works hard at things and is like, oh, I have this... I'm I'm talented at this thing that a lot of people I know don't do, but it it does feel like it's always been. I'm not assertive enough or like uh, capable of doing every part of a thing enough to just be there. Like it, it's not like a, I I would go to film school and then just like go like all right time to make a movie. It's like okay I don't know what it takes to make a movie, but I know that if I do want to do this thing, I have to figure out someone else who can do all these things for me and then it took so long for me to just go oh a producer and it's like okay how do i find a producer and now it's just like there's so many elements of doing the things that i want to do that i don't it's like not that i don't understand because it's like i see the thing and i'm like i could do this and i know what i want to be but i'm like i don't know how to find the person that does this thing I don't know how to do this thing. I don't know how to do this thing in the way that I'm supposed to do it because I feel like I'd just be like, uh, here's what I want you to do. Just repeat after me. And it's like, well, you can't do that. So I'm just like, all right, well, I don't know how to... And then it's like, I'm also not a good... Uh, I'm not... A, it's not... I'm not an impatient learner as much as I am just sort of like... A, I think that like my attention deficit means that I am so much more satisfied by instead of going like, all right, time to take a moment and just learn how to properly do every part of this. I'm just sort of like... I can someone just figure this out for me? I'm going to go learn to do this other thing instead. Or like, I'm just going to paint and maybe I'll be good at painting instead. And it's like, okay, I'm, I'm good at painting now back to this thing that I still haven't learned how to do. It feels like how, uh, when I make music, it's like, instead of just learning to make music, I'm just like, I'll just tinker with shit and I'll, it'll turn out right. I'll be like, this sounds correct. Instead of just being like, well, if I learned music, the process of making music would be so much easier. The, right. The way you've described it to me is that you know just enough to make whatever the thing is that you're making, but maybe you don't feel like a mastery of it where it's like, of course I can make this, but you're literally learning. As I go. The, yes, as you go in in the effort, which, you know, is how a lot of people learn a lot of stuff, but it sounds like you have a desire for, a desire for more of a mastery of of those skills. It's like uh I'm I'm very good at figuring out a thing as I go and more recently I have started describing myself as a very good mimic and not necessarily an artist but it's just sort of like if you were to be like this is how people do things I would adequately be able to go I can do that 
I can do that thing. I cannot be a master of that entire instrument or that entire like thing, but I can adequately go, here is what I need to do and do it. Well, and I'm sure that's reflected too in sort of maybe the frustration or I don't want to say frustration because it sounds like mostly negative, but the kind of complicated feelings you might have about some of the stuff you do when a lot of it is parody, like in terms of the music you put out and stuff or stuff on the punch of the jam or like how Gilmore guy stuff was like commentary or supplementary to another person's thing in IP. But then also it might feel like that too in a writer's room where it's like, it's not your thing. You're there to serve the show. But even in a writer's room, I do often feel like sometimes I will say that like the reason I end up doing music for comedy is because just straight up comedy is kind of scary. And with music, I have the crutch of like, oh, there's a little aspect of this that's kind of impressive or like not what I'm used to. So it's like you get an extra handicap of like, well, it's a little bit funnier now because it's a song. And I feel like I oftentimes when I'm just like panicked or don't know what to do in a writer's room or don't have like ideas, my mind does go to parody or like uh, a specialty idea where it's just sort of like, oh, what if we did something that was sort of a take on this trope or was a take on this? And it's like, okay, well, that's a great thing to be like, well, you're mimicking it and like satirizing it by like undercutting this thing. But do you have an idea that is just of your brain? And I think that a lot of times I'm so afraid of cliche or afraid of uh, like false sentiment that I do go, I can't think of a thing that's wholly original because uh, if it turns out to be cliche, then I will kill myself <laughs> it's like well i i <laughs> oh I, I can only i can only do something that is uh it's like uh if it's like if i try to go for originality then it's like okay well you have to avoid cliche along the way and then it's like all right well then i'm just again in this box of being like well how do i write an original thing and the way to write an original thing is to write something that's not original and change it entirely and i'm like okay well it, it's i have a joke where it's like how do you write a script and it's like well first you write an episode of Seinfeld and then you just change every single word and it's that's somehow how it's sometimes how it feels where it's like well the way that you write in a writer's room is you either just uh parody an existing thing or like satirize it or you try to go for originality but every time that you're like well this is something I've seen before you go okay well what's something that I haven't seen before and it's like that's not a healthy way to write you're just like avoiding instead of creating but. Right, which I know is even extended into our personal conversations of like when tropes get called out like on Twitter in real life, like guys who grow facial hair during quarantine are like this, and yeah. it's like, oh shit, should I not grow facial hair during exactly. quarantine? It's hard to have a holy. It's I think it's a unfair amount of pressure to put on yourself though, in some sense, to have a wholly original thought. It may not be able to have been done. In the year 2020 of our Lord, there's always going to be some root of something else or some version of, yeah, it kind of sounds like this and it is a little bit like this. Like, it, in, in, in that, and in that, like, amalgamate, amalgamation or synthesis of the influences and the things that you love and the things that you know in life, something original forms but i i don't i i know what you're saying though if you feel like you use parody or like a take on an existing thing as like a crutch for writing stuff but also i i don't want you to feel an undue amount of pressure to be like this has to be unheard of up until today the thing is that's pressure that it's like i put it on myself but then it's also like my surroundings and the places that i put myself in it's like 
writing and comedy, again, are very cynical spaces, and it's just sort of like, if the only takes people have are shitting on things, then all you want to do is go like, okay, well, I need to make something that they, they can't shit on, and the only way they can shit on it is if they've, they can be like, oh, it's kind of like this thing, which I hate, and I'm like, okay, I won't do that thing then, but it's like, I have seen wholly original works, those are the only things that I'm like, this feels truly astounding to me, and then I'm like, well, I can never do that, but then it's like, every so often I do create something like, I feel like this is original, and then I get hung up on it, and then I'm like, okay, but how do I do that again? And it's just, like, impossible to me. It's just, it feels like, uh, I, I'm not sincere enough to do that thing again, or it was based on this other thing, so it was easier to do and put that into an original framework, or it's just like, like, I think a lot about uh, Damon Lindelof's Watchmen, and how I'm like, it does feel like an original thing, even though it's literally an adaptation of Watchmen. And I'm like, how do you make that and then i was just like well i don't know but i don't think he did it by going all right well what did they do in watchmen well i'm going to change it a little bit i so it's just like i think it's possible to create an original work that is also a take on a thing i just i think i'm so often afraid of cliche or afraid of uh not being original that i let that become the driving force of things and then i'm just sort of like Again, creating by avoiding instead of just creating. Right, or having a mostly negative association with um, a hypothetical gaze of the audience or what you imagine audience like negative audience reaction to be in like in, in multiple ways or multiple angles. So it's like, uh, this kind of person might like it, but these kind of people might get pissed off about it. And this kind of person would probably make fun of it for being too sincere. And this kind of person wouldn't get it at all. You know, like... And that that can be paralyzing in a different way too, because yeah, if if Damon Lindelof's Watchmen is the comp, I think he probably did think, okay, what's well, an interesting way to subvert it? I think the audience would like it, maybe in this sense, or it would be rewarding or challenging to an audience who had this sort of association with the work previously, that like really challenges it while holding true and fast to what the work was trying to do before, but then. I think as far as audience reaction goes, that that dictates that mindset. But I wonder if the audience is almost like a little too much in your head. It is. More than it should be. And know? I think the healthiest way to create would be to get to a point where I could create devoid of an audience. And just being like, I really like this thing, but it's so hard to do that. For me, at least, which is why I feel like I'm trying so much to just uh, detach myself from an audience and just being like, uh, what is what does it feel like to create if I'm not hyper aware of what people want from me or hyper aware of how people have takes on things? Because I feel like it's all it's just so poisonous and I am just like it only makes me upset. So I'm just like, all right, we'll try to get away from it. Let's take a break from Demi's nimble voice, and we'll be right back with more Inside Voices. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. 
Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome back to Inside Voices. And now, the rest of my conversation with Demi. This is going to be an impossible question, but do you think you would have enjoyed the process of making podcasts or doing them if the internet didn't exist? Uh, which is like an impossible question because the podcasts live on the internet, but but in the sense of like, well, it's like what I have enjoyed radio. Essentially, yeah. Maybe I I love talking, and I like uh, when I get to talk and I say something that I'm like that was good. And it's like maybe 50% of the time, because then I also think, well, oh, that was dumb. Why did I say that? I enjoy being a guest on podcasts so much more because there's no responsibility. responsibility. Yeah, there's no responsibility of being like, all right, here's where I got to make sure this goes right. And like, okay, I there's no like running personality of who I am, according to a podcast. Uh, and it doesn't feel like people have this idea that they are getting to know me very well based on this podcast persona because I'm just popping in. I'm the Steve Urkel of the thing where it's like, ah, we just like, you, you're funny. You show up and you're funny. And then you right. go home and everyone's like, ah, I fucking hate Carl Winslow. Cops, boo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I also, I enjoyed doing Gilmore Guys and I enjoyed doing Punch Up the Jam. And these aren't things that I did begrudgingly. Like, I guess I'll just do this and I hope I get to do something else later. It's like I did them and was happy to do them. And I think I would probably enjoy them without the internet, but I, I, it's just so hard to know how different that would be. Cause I also think the internet has made me like, as much as I complain about the feedback, it's like, I'm so glad that I have it. I'd, I'd probably be insufferable without being aware of the ways in which I'm supposed to be like thinking of other people and i think all the time about how like i feel like there was a sliding doors uh, moment in my life where i was very into video games and i could have very very easily become like the incel men's rights guy who's just like i like games and women who p- get play games are bitches or it's like and i instead went the other way where it was like oh i got really into twitter and comedy and found all of these women and queer people who were just so inviting and like funny and like open with their thoughts that i was just sort of like these are people i don't usually uh i'm not usually around naturally but now that i am i have to empathize with them and i'm forced it's like the great democratizer in both the worst and the best way so it's like i need the internet and i think that like Without the internet, there's a world in which uh, I do a podcast type thing, and it's just like, okay, well, he's Joe Rogan. This sucks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but there, it's like, thank God that instead uh, I was uh, impressionable and surrounded by people who uh, were not at all like me, and I had to go, hmm, what do these people think? Am I supposed to be doing this thing? Is is it weird to, like, even just, like, before Gilmore Guys, it's, like, we were very upfront and, like, had to be aware of the fact that it's, like, all right, well, we're doing a show for a demographic that is not generally us, and we can't present it as, that's crazy, and it's, like, we were, like, 
we were uh, empathetic and like right-minded enough to know that starting off. And I think if we had just approached it being like, that's crazy, it would have been a totally different thing. But we don't get to like knowing that we can't do the that's crazy angle unless we have the internet to be like, yeah, we think that that like would be a bad thing. And we know that people don't like that. And we know, we understand why they don't like it. And we can also feel like, yeah, that is bad. You know, I really appreciate what you said about the duality of internet stuff and basically how it can be a radicalizer in the bad way, but also how it can be a pretty phenomenal portal to a lot of different kinds of empathy in terms of like voice that you would not get that you and I maybe did not get in our suburban Texas totally. upbringings that were that things that were just not even in college things that weren't like quite so native to us because the internet didn't permeate our lives in quite the same way even when we were in college well it feels like how people talk about going to college in like a big town where it's like that's where a lot of people suddenly become liberal and it's like yeah because that's the first time that you're leaving this like bubble where you only experience the same types of people for like 18 years of your life and then you go to this place where you have to have empathy for all sorts of people coming from all sorts of places and you kind of go oh maybe it's not good that this happens or that this happens or this happens and it's just sort of like like of course people get radicalized by the internet when you uh are suddenly connected with people that you've never had to think about in your life and that you've never had to like see or like consider how things that benefit you might not benefit them. I'm very glad that we all have that, even though there's some people that take it the opposite way and go, this sucks that I have to have empathy for this, these people. Not wanting to have empathy is now my political stance. But I think that at the same time, uh, the internet is the biggest monkey's paw. It's like, thank God that we have this thing that is designed to bring us all closer to each other however closeness might not necessarily be what you want in every aspect of a creator audience whatever relationship it's like we're all going to be closer and we're all going to understand each other better but that also means that people will maybe think they understand you better than they do and will have this very like one-sided relationship with you that you don't get to have a take on you don't really get to clarify how they should like experience these things or how they should communicate with you about these things and then it's also like communicating about those things then becomes like okay well he doesn't like those things it's like no it's not that i don't like them it's that i am not that's not it it's that that's not the totality of it and i do a thing and then move on and don't feel like i want people to be like hooked into he loves this thing because it's like, no, I don't. I just, I did it. I'm, I'm, I'm down the tracks. A lot of my memory of Gilmore Guy stuff is marked by <laughs> how stressful sometimes the audience relationship felt, it, because it was just so such a new thing to steward in a way, which is like kind of gets back to your thing of you enjoy guesting more than hosting because hosting implies responsibility. And it wasn't like necessarily a responsibility either of us were looking for, but maybe, maybe counterintuitively or surprisingly to you, I found that much of the way that I thought about talking on that show and in the way I thought about talking to the audience that we had with that was shaped by you. I almost kind of followed your lead in that sense on the show because I found you to be 
pretty sensitive to what people would, you know, and like we could both get overly sensitive about stuff, but I found you to be pretty intuitive about how to be kind to a mess like that. I, I found that you would you would set tone on the on the show and do things in a way of like, oh, like and and I felt like that compelled me to step up my game in, oh, don't you you know, and we're gonna make stupid jokes and whatever on the show or like maybe say irresponsible things from time to time. But but I feel like you set a bar for me to want to try to meet you at in the sense of like how we would respect people on the show even in the sense of like hosting our guests and stuff i feel like i i I tried to match you with that stuff a good amount i know you may not think of yourself in that sense of like i'm the sensitive guy or something like that but truly that was a thing uh, when i think about especially those first couple years of it it was like a crash course in that where like i feel like i really learned a lot from you in that respect i the thing is i do feel like i think of myself as the sensitive guy and it's a thing that uh has definitely sort of morphed over time but i think i have this sort of mental like this constant stressor stressor that is definitely based on like oh i don't know how like i felt this so much as a kid where it's like uh not being included in things or feeling like an outsider or feeling like okay, well, I'm just going to be, uh, like these people are my friends, but are they my friends? And do they, they hang out all the time and they're just making fun of me or whatever. I always have this mentality in a group where it's like, I don't want it to feel like if it's a square, there are two points in the square and the other two points just happen to be there. It's like, no, I, I want everyone to feel like they are an equal part of this circle. And it gets even more stressful for me with bigger and bigger groups because I do feel like I don't want anyone to be a part of a thing and feel like, okay, they are not as included in this or they are maybe like just in this out of courtesy. And so I like I do a lot of times go out of my way to try and make it feel like everyone who's part of a thing gets to feel like they're an equal part of a thing and feel like I don't want to be, oh, we have our own thing and you're here. It's like, no, because that, if I were that person, I'd be crushed and I'd like, just the thought of it makes me upset. And so a lot of times I think, I think that's also why I have a weird relationship with an audience because it's like, I want everyone to feel included, which means giving so much of myself to people. And then it's like, I've given myself so much of myself to you that now you have this thought of like, we're close. And now I'm like, oh, I can't do that all the time. I'm sorry. I need to be alone most of the time. Right. That it might imply entitlement on their end or uh, an ownership that they don't actually possess. Right. And it's, it's hard to balance because I don't feel comfortable ever just going like, sorry, that was a temporary thing. You don't get me. <laughs> right. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, I do want it to feel like no one's the punchline and then whenever people do say like oh great they made fun of me i'm like i that was not the intention and now i feel like shit that it felt that way yeah i do think it's important to me to not make people feel like i don't know just like they're not supposed to be in a place because i i think that a lot of the time and then i just i'm like i don't i don't want to do a thing where it feels like i'm just kind of here and it wasn't my intention to be here but it's like oh, i was bored so you're here or like oh, i had to invite you it's like no i don't want that no one wants that so i think i think that's reflected in your life too i, f- I find like you're talking about the things you're doing in your work wanting an inclusive energy i think you're an inclusive person 
just in your like day-to-day social life as well. I think that's reflected. I try to be. One of the nicest compliments that my ex gave me was uh, when we went to uh, our friend Rishi's place uh, for Thanksgiving, and she commented afterwards that like you went out of your way to try and bring everyone into every conversation, and we're like talking to all the people, and I'm like, I'm glad that you. It's like it's never an active thing that. Until she said that I had been like, oh, yeah, I guess that is something I do want to do. But when she said that, I was like, like, compliments are very weird for me. But that one made me feel so great that I was like, that's exactly the thing that I feel like I should be doing. And it's become a thing that I actively am like, no, that's good. I'm going to keep doing that. And I, uh, I've finally nailed down a thing that makes me feel good. And I want to always do that. So, yeah, I think that's the case. And also, like in a almost in a weirdly like non altruistic perspective setting that inclusive tone does give you a better sense of control in your environment and situation because if you're setting that and and you're doing that in your personal life but also in in your comedy and your writing and the things you're putting out and stuff there's a way where it's like it protects yourself almost cuz it's like it's almost like I'm being so nice, so you have to be nice to me. Absolutely, in that's how I am in so many ways. Though it's like I don't want to trash talk about anyone because I don't want them to have like if there was ever a conversation where it was like, oh, you said this thing about me. It's like, well, I bet you say things about me. I, like I want to be able to go like, no, I don't. So I just am like, I don't. I I don't feel comfortable. I you have to be nice to me because I'm being nice to you. And then some people are just like, they hate anyone who's nice at all. And then I'm like, okay, well, I. I can't do anything with that at all, so whatever. But then it, it also is very helpful in just sort of, like, good for other people to feel included. It's like, I don't know. It's just the way that I found is the most accessible and healthy for me to be. Would you describe your comedy as inclusive in that sense? Like, I know we were talking before, you were asking, like, is this about my physical voice or, like, my capital V voice of, like, what I'm saying? Oh, we're way off my voice. <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah, but but just in the sense of like, if we're talking about capital V voice, is that a part of it? And and like the tensions we were describing earlier about, well, everyone's cynical, and if you want to be sincere, then it might get mocked a little bit. I mean, I have ideas of what I think a lot of your comedy is, but I'd be curious to hear what how you would describe it too. I don't think inclusive is like a purpose or like something that I have to be like, I want this to be inclusive, but I do think that it's like, it's something that I, I rarely feel like I want to set out making something that's just about taking something down. It's so much more fun to like, uh, people describe my comedy as very positive a lot of the time. And I'm just like, I don't get that at all. Cause I feel like I'm very negative and I feel like I make things every so often that are just uh, about, like, here's a satire of this thing, and it's not always negative, because sometimes it is just, like, a celebratory satire of a thing that I like. I don't think I'd describe it as inclusive as much as it is just, like, celebratory, my comedy is, where it's just sort of, like, acknowledging that this is a thing, and here's a take on it, and it's like, maybe you'll come away from it going, oh, that thing that he's making fun of really is stupid, or, or maybe you'll go away going, like, yeah, man, it, that thing really does rule, and it's sometimes I can't control how people... Uh, take those things, but I do think it's always meant to be like optimistic almost. Yeah. Cause it's like, why put so much work into a piece of comedy that's just meant to go, this other thing sucks. If it's not also a little bit to kind of go like, 
this thing is good or like this thing this thing is fun or like it's fun to feel this way about a thing but then at the same time it's like i think about uh when i made uh the morrissey green book song and i'm just like well i think morrissey's a bad person and i think green book's a bad (laughs) movie so i don't know what the take was there as much as it was just like here's an idea here's a silly yeah yeah but sometimes the silliness is the thing that I'm celebrating or just being like, this kind of music is fun. Like, we like this kind of music. I'm not, I didn't set out to be like, I hate this guy. Time to learn everything about him and then take him down. It's like, well, I do like his music. It sucks that he is a bad person. But even even that absence of a POV that needed to be stated in a piece like that, like the Morrissey Green Book thing, I think is a POV in itself yeah. of like, almost like an apolitical, not like you're apolitical, but just in the sense of like, if silliness is the base goal and almost seeing things in the world as like raw material for whatever joy you want to put out in some way, you just want people to be kind to each other. Is what I I'm just getting. want people to be kind to each other and also to me. <laughs> when this is all over, I'm going to get a tattoo that just says, please be kind to me or please be nice to me is what it is. Please be nice. to. Oh yeah. yeah based on the, no, I think that's going to be a terrific tattoo. Yeah. Do you feel like with distance, because it's been so long since you've hosted a podcast that the distance has made you, has changed how you feel about them in any meaningful way? N- not really. Uh, I think that the distance from having a podcast has given me sort of clarity about the things I don't like about doing a podcast and the things that I do. And it's sort of this thing where, like, when I quit Punch Up the Jam, I was sort of just like, uh, this isn't going to be a boy who cried, I'm quitting the podcast kind of thing. It's like, if I do another podcast, it's got to be like a, we've talked about this before, where it's like, I want it to be a mini series where it's like, there is a d- definite end. And even then, it's like, there's a reason for me to be doing it. So it's not just sort of like, eh, I just kind of wanted to do it. Because I think the infinite nature of things sometimes is what stresses me out, where it's just like, I guess I just do this until I die. Uh uh, and then it's like, I don't hate doing podcasts, but then it's also got to be able to coexist in my life with all these other things that I'm at any given time doing. And it's so hard to do that that I'm just sort of like, uh, maybe I just don't want to do a podcast. And if I can't get excited about doing a thing, then I don't think I should do it, which is where I'm at right now, where it's like, I have too many things that at any given time I feel like, oh, I could do this, that if I am not excited about them, or don't feel like I have to do it, or else there will be an element of shame that's weighing me down because I haven't done it, then I'm not doing it. Well, I mean, as far as paying your dues goes in that particular field, I think you've done it. You know what I mean? What do you mean? Like, I think you've made your mark in that field as much as you want to, where it's like, as far as having something to prove, or, yeah, I can do this, like you did however many years of Gilmore, how many years of Punch... So it's like there is a body of work that exists. And I don't know how much you think about your work is like this is the body of work and it was this period from like 2014 to 2017 and then there was this period where I wrote on this show and then there was this period but like it's so disparate and overlaps into each other that I'm just sort of like I don't know what I've done and then everyone's like you've done a lot I'm like I don't know I can't chart it man I don't know what I did <laughs> I feel you like I can I'm... chart it you can be proud It's not that I'm not proud it's just I am truly like I don't know what I did and when, and I just am like, uh, when was Gilmore Guys? When was the, like, I think, like, my timeline of work is just so disparate, and my brain is so, like, like, bad at 
memory and even just like rem- like just time management things. There are things times I'll just be like, I think I did this thing like a year ago, and then I look at like this was four years ago. What? Yeah, it, yeah. So it's just like I have no semblance of my own career, and it feels like I've been taking a break for so long just because I haven't been like doing one active thing for almost a year now. So it just feels like I'm like, well, what do I, what do I do? What am I up to? But and time gets even more slippery when we're talking about this stuff that you were saying at the beginning of this conversation about the way people regard you in your work when someone comments or tweets something or says something to you that's like, nice work on this. And it's like something you did six years ago. So like all of your work doesn't have linearity on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> it's just forever and everyone has like different access points all the time. Totally. But do you do you feel like you have made your mark in podcasting? No, no which is no, crazy no, no. to me. Absolutely not. Well, but it's not a it's not a quantity thing because if it was a quantity thing, like I've made I've made a little spot. I mean, major mark sounds like so grandiose in a way. But I just I just look at Punch plus Gilmore as like. I mean, whatever with Gilmore because I was a part of it too. But like Punch, I I thought was like in is such a like a special show that it felt like uh, you know it was like Lady Bird and then Little Women right after <laughs> each other. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is my uh, Michael Jordan ninety six ninety seven. Exactly. Yeah. That's and exactly you don't think how I see it? You don't think you did that with Gilmore and Bunhead and Maisel and Good Christian Fun and Inside Voice? Like I. I, it's so, I mean, I know that this is, it, it's the same thing of me being like, I don't know if I did, but it's like, I, I think it's wild to think that you haven't like carved out, like made your mark and established yourself as like a very good podcaster. It feels, uh, wow. Now I sound like you. <laughs> yeah, here we go. It's fine. <laughs> That's my impression of you anytime. I hate it. <laughs> it, it's fine. <laughs> I say it's fine. That's a very good impression of me. I do say it's fine a lot. <laughs> but uh, with that, because well, if I'm being candid, sometimes it felt like diminishing returns with it. So if it did feel cumulative or increasing in every way, it might have felt like, oh, okay, and this is what you do and this is what happens. Like, I don't deny, I wouldn't make any one of like, or anyone in an audience or a listener feel foolish by like, no, oh, it's stupid. Who cares? And it's a bunch of crap. Or like, it's too small to me. noteworthy. Cause then it's like, Hey, well I listen to it. What, what do I mean to you? But just in the sense of it didn't feel progressively larger. And I'm proud of the things I've done, but I think because it didn't feel like it scaled up, it didn't feel maybe as accomplished. So it's like, yeah, it might be, twice as many hours this year as it was four years ago or whatever but i don't know if consistency or persistence or perseverance means as much in that same way because it's like i did a lot of a thing uh but it's not that good you know like it could be that and i'm not trying to like say like it's all shit or something like that i fully get where you're coming from and i feel that both in my career and in podcasting but it just feel not that that they aren't one and the same, but I just mean like with my writing career and then also with podcasting. But I also think that we have a very warped sense of it because we started with Gilmore Guys, which was way bigger than we expected it to be or it had any right to be. And I'm just sort of like, yeah, it feels like we played the Super Bowl our first round out. And then we were like, 
oh, I don't, I don't get to go, to go to the Super Bowl every year, huh? And you're just like, well, it won't be as good because, yeah, you can't, you just got lucky, it, it, or not, you got lucky, but it's like there were so many factors that collided with us just being good at doing the podcast, and it's like we got a hit of the big time, and now we're like never going to be satisfied by the fact that we are still very good, but we aren't, we didn't, we can't get back to the blimp. I know what you're saying. And, and, it's and so... it was something that I tried to be like uber self-reflective or self-aware of, even as it was happening of like, this is like bizarre. Like you can be grateful for it, but at the same time, it's like, this is bizarre. This is unique. But even still, it was something after that where it's like, well, maybe the next thing will. And I probably, you know, I might, I'm afraid of sounding ungrateful right now as well. And I don't mean to be, but yeah, it, it did give us a warped sense, I think to a large degree of like, it was just like a roller coaster ride and, and then you get off of it. It's like, okay, now you start not from zero and not from square one, but not at the top of the coaster where you right. were. Yeah. It's so hard to have a, a, like a fair sense of how you're doing when that is like the barometer. That's where it was set. But it's also just sort of like. I don't know. It, it 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 feels poisonous, but also just sort of like, is the goal to get back up there? And will you never be satisfied until you get there? Because then I think one day you'll get there and you'll be like, mm, this isn't really doing it either. And it's just sort of I like know, this sort I know. of. I, I feel the same way. Yeah, it's just it, it's just such a a weird thing to chase, but it's it's like you can't not chase it because it, it sort of gave you the hint of like, I think I'm in the right place. The way I've been thinking about it a lot is with like my writing career where it was like the good place as my first like staff writing gig is insane. It doesn't feel like it should have happened, especially as someone who was like a huge fan of parks and rec and like knew of the writers. So intensely that I was like fans of the writers and then being like, okay, they're going to be your coworkers now. I'm like, that's it. Sh- it, it was a little too clean. And then the good place, yeah, it would be like, it would be like your favorite band Radiohead. Someone oh, you were a fan of all your life Dimmy. asking you to play keyboards. Come yeah. on, come play keyboards for us. Huh? Don't you want to play Creep? Come on, this is all new keyboards. It's Dimmy. And then, like, if they were like, all right, well, we're going to move on without you. And uh, I was just like, oh, but I, okay. Right. And then, like, I don't know, Coldplay comes along. It's like, hey, man, you should play keyboard with us. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, okay. And everyone's like, Coldplay rules. And I'm like, yeah, they're fine. And then it's like Muse comes along. They're like, "Do you want to play keyboards with us, mate?" And I'm like, "What happened yes. to me? Yes. I used to be in Radiohead, man." And everyone's like, "What? What's wrong with Muse?" It's like nothing. I just, I don't know. I never saw myself in Muse. It's like, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. I know. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard not to. It's hard. It's hard not to sound ungrateful. But I, I know what you mean as far as having a warped sense of of what success and maybe satisfaction is because I've definitely veered away. And I think you were really never at this place. And maybe I was just maybe slightly more than you were. And now I feel like I veered away from it in the sense of like needing to maintain or desire to maintain any like sense of visibility as far as success goes, where it's like, I need people to know who I am all the time and respect me and give me a lot of praise all the time and, and get that as like a constant stream in my life. And if that goes away, then there's a problem 
Or, yeah, like you're saying, where it's like if you get to play with Radiohead or if you get to ride on the good place the first time, then the next show is even better, more prestige, or you get to show run your next thing, and it's a thing that's like critically adored and stuff. So it's like that that is a path, but i'm I'm trying to like lay that down and not be so beholden or wedded to that and and kind of just ask myself especially now when we're like, when we have the time, unfortunately, to reflect on all these things, like, well, what, what is truly like zoom it out all the way or zoom in depending on your perspective, what is a good life and what is it that you're actually looking for underneath the thing, underneath the thing, underneath the thing. And if for you, it's like writing and and directing movies and film then that's what it is. And as far as like the path to get there circuitous or straightforward, you have to figure out what that is. And I guess the the question with all that stuff that I ask myself is like, what is enough for you for today? And what can you live with while still keeping your goals in mind and still keeping in your head? I think this is enough for me. I think I can live with this. And I think I can be like content, even if I'm not fully satisfied, right. if that makes sense. Yeah. Which is like, hard and like it sounds contradictory even the way I'm putting it but but there is something to like I can be content and not be losing my mind or stressed out about I'm not doing this or I'm not good enough in this way or I'm not making enough money or my career isn't going the way I want it to be but I can still be content in this while still desiring all those things so I can solve pieces of sanity in my life as yeah. I go on yeah it, it feels like how I feel when I tell myself like I have to do this thing for like a week and then it's like I do work on one day of the week and it's like this really isn't a success but I need to like I need to allow myself the peace to be okay with this being all that I have done or else it's just gonna be like well I'm weighing myself down by not being able to do this thing and it's like no you just kind of have to take it step by step and like let yourself be okay with the fact that you are not going to do the thing all at once or like instantly because that's not how this ever works. It's just, I think sometimes it's it's hard to, I think in a creative field especially, it's so hard to balance what you can do with what you see other people do because the only, like no one ever is like, I've been working really hard at doing this thing and it's not working out for me. And then you see the one success. It's like, no, you just see the one success. And then it's like, you don't see the millions of failures littered in its wake or just like the amount of time that they've been working at something. So you just kind of go, wow, everything's really working out for this person. I guess I'm just not enough. And it's like, no, I think some people get lucky and some people are just sort of like riding a fucking like rail that feels like they have gotten on this one thing and it worked out well and they got on this other thing and it worked out well and some people get on this rail and they are very good and they are like so talented at these things but they hit a small snag and therefore it's like it just kind of feels like they're going downwards even though they are still trying so hard and it's like it's so random it's so like there's no path to this there's no there's no like uh you're gonna be there again one day. There's no, you're not gonna be there again one day. It's so, like, I think all the time about just, like, people who were, like, child stars or, like, in this one thing where it's, like, they hit it big and then you never hear about them again or, like, not even that you never hear about them again, but it's, like, oh, they never really got that big again and you're just sort of, like, are they just kind of going, like, oh, am I ever gonna be that again? Or are they just sort of, like, no, I'm fine, I'm gonna move on. And it's, like, you want to get to a point where you 
you don't want to get to a point where you're just trying to be like, I have to get to that point again. You want to get to a point where you're like fine with either not being that thing again or just sort of like finding something else that gives you the joy to keep making stuff or to keep being creative or to like stay in this field. Because if it's not, if you're not doing it because you love it, but because you feel like you got to be as good as you once were, then you're just setting yourself up for failure. Like you're never going to be happy again. You're just going to be like, Oh, I finally reached the top of this mountain. Why did I want to get to the top of this mountain? I don't remember, but I'm here and I feel nothing. Where where are you with all that stuff then? Oh, I'm still in the I got to get back up to the mountain, baby. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know while even being able to intellectually affirm that the opposite things are true as well. Well, that that's not what it's about in the kind of folly of trying to get back up there at the same time and what makes you feel content though? Like honestly, and it's hard now for any of us to feel content with anything, but like for stuff now, and I know you've had like little jobs during quarantine stuff, but like, is there anything in the way of career stuff that is making you feel satisfied? And it's okay if the answer is no. In the way of career stuff, uh, there are small things here and there. There are some times where I have chances to do things that I'm like, this feels good and i'm able to step back and go like even just getting the opportunity to to, like pitch something for this feels insane or even just getting the opportunity to like have a meeting about this i'm like that's crazy and i'm lucky and i can't uh just like i it's not like responsible or healthy for me to go like yeah but i'm not a success until i get it but then it's like even just sort of like finishing things like i finished uh writing like what is now, or for now, the final draft of a movie that I want to make, and I'm like sending it out to people with my managers, and I'm like, that feels good to just be at the end of this process that's taken like seven years to do, and just be like, it's off my plate, I don't have to think about it for now. That's something that I keep going back to being like, I'm fully satisfied with that project for now, and it'll get to a point where I won't be, but even just getting to the step where I am like, like, there was a point at which I'm like, duh, I'm nothing, I'm like, well, I did this thing, and I'm still proud of that thing is like that's able to just keep me at a stasis where it's like i could have done nothing for the last year but i did this thing and that's good enough for now and i'm content with it even though i still think that's like but there's so much more to do and it's like yeah but it's not gonna it's not gonna be like tomorrow i someone goes like i want to give you 10 million dollars go make a movie kid it's like okay well we're on the trail to maybe getting somewhere with that so it's just like taking the baby steps of that in particular is very nice and then being able to sort of go like okay well what do i want to do with the rest of my time i have so much of quarantine to go and i know what fulfills me it's like writing things that i feel like might have a future in being made what is the next thing that i want to write what is like producible what is something that i can do myself can i like talk to someone who is doing something that i can make something for and it's like just having a sort of idea of what i want to do with my career and what i'm like well this is the next step is something that I'm able to just go like, okay, then that's the next step. Don't settle for things that you're like, I guess this is fine for now. Just do the next step. Like make the progress towards working on these things, knowing that you have so much time to just develop and work on it since you literally can't do anything else. And it's interesting. The things you're talking about too are in a vacuum away from like audience reaction. Yeah. Which is great. Where it's like the, the satisfying thing for you is I feel like I've talked so much about like artists versus craftsmen stuff. And I do feel like you are such a craftsman with a lot of the things that you do in terms of like building tables, making them sturdy, giving them four legs are like nicely 
varnished and shined and sanded down. It's really a celebration of a table. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually by, by doing a subversive take on it, we're talking about how much we love the table. It was actually a chair, but I was like, everyone does a chair. I'm going to do a table. <laughs> But but you do find satisfaction not in the like praise me sort of way, but just in like the completion of it. It sounds like yeah, I've gotten better in quarantine about just being like, well, how do I uh, feel satisfied or feel like I've done a good thing without an audience? And it's like, well, audience reactions don't mean shit to me, but I do feel like satisfied whenever someone I care about feels like, oh my god, they he did this thing and it's really good so it's just like all right well i'll just do things that feel more personal and it's like i started uh, this is one thing you've always been good at but just like i'll bake and just be like uh who who likes a thing and it's like all right i'll bake that thing and i'll try to bake that thing and i'll cook this thing and just try to like sort of do things where it's like this is literally just directly for this one person but i it's something that i can complete and feel like there's an objective yes i did it right or no i didn't do it right and like oh it tastes good and i'm like cool I've done this thing and now I can deliver it to a person and they can get the satisfaction of me having done something for them. And it just feels like this is very good for me and this feels great. It's not about a greater audience and it's not about me like showing off that I'm a good cook or whatever. It's not about uh, feeling like I have to be X level of cook. It's just like a thing I can do that feels nice for myself and has an end point and feels nice for another person. And it's just like, there are two points in this communication thing where it's like, it's hap- it's good for me and it's good for this other person. That's all it needs to be. And it's done. And also, I don't know the degree to which you might doubt your own talent and stuff, but doing those small things is almost like proving to yourself, no, I'm capable of making something. And, and even, even if it's not like, yeah, an opera, it's like, I can create this loaf yeah. I can create this I, I am capable of that so if I'm capable of this clearly I must be capable of other things as well so yeah it's just proving that to yourself yeah, I feel it's it. fine I mean, <laughs> it's, it's 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 fine no how I do it is it's fine it's fine <laughs> it's it's fine it's not what I want <laughs> it's you say that a lot. Oh, right? I say it all the time. Not, not it's not what I want, but it's fine. It, yeah, it's that's my way of just going like I don't want to say it's bad because people will get mad at me because they think it's good and I do. I'm too critical of myself, so I'll just be like, it's fine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't stop saying it on account of me. I won't. I'm getting it tattooed. Oh, good. It's fine. Uh, Demi. Your voice is one of the voices I've talked to most on mic in my life, and I'm yeah. very grateful for it, and Same. I really like your voice a lot. Thank your you. Your nimble, cool voice. I like your voice, too. Have you ever, have you had to describe your own voice on the podcast yet? Nope, and unfortunately, this is the last episode we'll ever do, so, <laughs> so <laughs> for now, I don't know. Well, then I'm going to just ask you right now, how would you describe your voice? It's fine. Oh, <laughs> This is the part where the stage goes dark and someone runs around and the improv scene is over. That's right. Thank you for coming out tonight. Demia Dijuibe has a nimble voice, and you can hear that voice on old episodes of Gilmore Guys or Punch Up the Jam, wherever you find your podcasts. This is, at least for now, the last episode of Inside Voices, and I wanted to say thank you to all those who listened to and supported us, and thanks to Pam Atori for our theme song. 
Thanks to Steve Allman for production help. And thanks to everyone at HeadGum, including Amir, Jake, Marty, Marissa, and Claire. I'm Kevin T. Porter. Thanks for spending time with us today on Inside Voices. That was a HeadGum podcast.